0: Hello and welcome to another Digineer podcast. This one is titled Leading Entrepreneurs, Innovation, Failure, and Accountability. Now this is a two-part series. Uh, First, I have Mia Earhart here to talk with us about all of those things, innovation, failure, and accountability. And then next we'll have Carly Hall from Digineer come in and talk about another side of this entrepreneurial culture and how to develop it and foster it. So Mia is a senior product manager for Mastery Logistics, um, a logistics technology company uh, based out of Chicago, Minneapolis. With COVID, you're kind of based out of everywhere these days, um, but Mia is local to the Twin Cities, she has a background in consulting, actually worked with us for Digineer, um, and then broke our hearts by leaving, I'm not going to shame her for that here, Um, I'll do that later. Mia is also one of the most passionate people I know when it comes to both work and hobbies, and when I say passionate, like her and her developer husband developed a homegrown sprinkler system out of their basement, like there is a lot of passion and energy. Yeah. Uh, so, Mia, welcome to Thank the podcast. Thank um, And I'm just going to get right into it. First question: Why did you leave Digiir? Oh wow!
1: Heavy hitting right <laughs> out of the gate.
0: No. Um, in all seriousness, I want to break it up into the three topics we talked to uh, talked about a little earlier that I touched on. Um, and the first one is innovation and participation. Um, I would say big today, very relevant in the market. Something we say at Digineer is raise your hand. What we mean by that is when people see an opportunity, a problem, a fire, etc., don't just let it burn, uh, don't let something go miss, raise your hand. They should speak up and make it known. We found that a key aspect of developing and curating teams that are self-managing and high-performing is to create a playing field where people are not only encouraged, but um, I would say enabled and empowered to raise their hand when they feel the need to. So for you, what are some things that leaders can do to foster a culture and environment where uh, their participation is valued and validated?
1: Yeah, I think it all starts with you as a leader yourself, being able to speak your own voice and have your own voice. And that trickles down to your teams easily your teams see you, they see you as a role model, they see where, where you are showing up and doing things, and they will naturally follow. Um, and the, also part of that is allowing them the opportunity to do that, listening to those folks, giving them that permission and that kind of respect to have a space when the time comes.
0: I like that. The, um, you know, you kind of see the, the servant leadership aspects come out there a little bit, you know, um, getting in, not being scared to do things yourself. Um, I know I've worked for bosses where <laughs> they would, uh, talk to me and like, ask me how things are going, but I could tell like, you're just doing this because you feel like you have to. So for you, how do you make it natural?
1: A lot of it is just telling folks that, Hey, I'm really here for you. And that your voice matters and your opinions matter whether we follow that path or not in any kind of day-to-day decision-making, but we want to hear that feedback as leaders and we want to be able to build the environment where they feel like they have that voice and they have that stance or that piece of that pie.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I know when we've talked about culture, there's just this aspect of people don't measure it, right? People don't measure like participation or how people are feeling or things like that. Like they don't have their, their cultures and, uh, ways of participation, getting feedback measured. Um, Do you guys do anything like that at mastery right now? Is there ways to report back or is it, I know it's a startup, so it's kind of coming (laughs) all directions, but do you guys have things like that now? Or is it something in the future that you're looking into?
1: Uh, We don't really measure it right now, but it is something that we expect all of our Hmm. folks at mastery and all of my peers, even in leadership to bring forward to the table is there's kind of a level set expectation right out of the gate coming into mastery saying, we expect you to bring your best, we expect you to bring innovation, and if you have an idea, bring it up, because no idea is too crazy at this point in time.
0: That's awesome, and very top-down. Exactly. I we mean, like, we're, we're going to act like this if we're going to expect other people to do the same. Exactly. I love that. Another question I have for you is participation is one thing, Uh, innovation is something entirely different and I'm glad that you touched on that because innovation can be uh, a little more complicated. Um, Do you see innovation as a a natural development in a culture where participation is happening Um, or do you see it as something that has to be constantly kind of pulled out and encouraged?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think Having the participation in your culture and having that accountability or that expectation that we want you to participate, we want you to feel included, we want you to voice your opinions, that's a good foundation for it. But innovation also has to be grown a little bit. You can't just brainstorm the world's biggest problems and have a bunch of sticky notes on a whiteboard with no action coming out of it. (laughs) Innovation is a little bit more strategic in that matter, and so participation can really lead toward that innovation. Mm -hmm. But it is a growth piece as well.
0: For sure. No, and I, I know like when I think about people in recruiting, I talk to a lot of people, um, I know from the second I talked to you, I would never have to invite you to innovate, right? We wouldn't need, <laughs> it's like, Hey, invite me to innovate. <laughs> you would do that very naturally. Um, I like how you touch on the aspect of, I guess I'd call it keeping it in check a little bit, you know, when you think about market readiness or just like, are we at that stage? Are we, are we innovating this right now? Or do we need to innovate, innovate our way up to that? Um, And then the action piece, we talk a a lot about Digineer in the sense that as a consultant, you need to be both high level and then you also need to be able to like drill it down to the granular, right? It's not enough just to create like, hey, here's the thing. Um, You need to be able to create the roadmap out of that and how to get there. Um, So I love that you touched on that stuff. Is there anything that you would encourage leaders to do to get people thinking on that higher level plane? kind of break them out of the day-to-day and get them thinking on that innovation plane uh, more often.
1: Bring them along for the ride. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing I can say is if you want people to innovate or to be at that higher level or to participate at that more strategic level, you have to give them the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. So bring them along for it, create a little playground for it where it's Mm -hmm. safe, where they can still see, fruits of their labor out of it and some sort of action out of it but give them those trial grounds to to try it on for size and most of the time when people get that little taste of what that's like the sky's the limit then you can't contain (laughs)
0: them. I'm I'm like I'm seeing these examples now as you say them like I know when I first started at Digineer it was like super exciting right because one of the things advertised is like hey there's nothing you can't touch Right? Like, within reason. Like, obviously, I'm not going to offload a a PSA system or anything like that, but there's (laughs) nothing you can't touch in sense, like, if you want to pursue something. And I know, like, for probably my first three to six months, I would get these ideas, right? Typically, it's like when I'm doing dishes at night, ideas come to my brain. (laughs) And I'd message my boss at the time, Lucinda, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I had this idea. I think it's great. What do you think? She was like, oh yeah, we do that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> most of the time, the craziest ideas that people come up with on their day-to-day, you know, as they're as they're starting to go to bed and winding down and those crazy thoughts come or, you know, everybody gets that crazy thought in the shower mm-hmm. every morning. Yep. <laughs> the perfect proving ground for innovation is just
0: <laughs> the nice shower. shower. Yep.
1: Um, but most of the time, there's already work in progress being done that way. But t- as a leader, taking that innovation and saying, hey, you know what? We are doing that and that is a really cool thing and here how would you like to be involved Mm -hmm. or can we get you involved or do you want to be involved Mm -hmm. and having more of that exposure and that those conversations helps grow that again that culture of participation because you're not telling them yeah cool we're we're already doing it Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the conversation Mm -hmm. it's opening it up and saying okay yeah we're doing it but there's an avenue here for you to go beyond or to try something new or do that and being flexible with that because then they'll continue
0: to come. And and which is awesome. I'm glad you touched on that too, because that was very much what Lucinda did was like, you know, and she'd always, she'd always frame as like great idea first, right? There's like that (laughs) encouragement, like, thank you for doing this. Great idea. We're doing that. Have you looked into this? And that was the other thing I noticed as well, thinking out loud, um, was it was never just like handed to me, right? It was like, Here's how you can pursue this further um, to keep it coming from me, uh, which is really cool. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you're on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so moving into the second topic, I'm going to create a very natural segue. <laughs> and say, Innovation leads to change. One thing in consulting that I've learned talking to people who do consulting uh, not everyone embraces, embraces change. Very few people do. And with change comes other things like failure, or as we like to say, opportunities for learning, um, something that I don't even remember who said it, but they're like, if a failure goes by and you haven't learned anything from it, it's a missed opportunity. Um, so in this space, you have to try and get people ready for it. So change and innovation go hand in hand. If you're innovating inevitably, inevitably, there you go, change will follow. <laughs> uh, However, it's easier said than done. Um, as a recruiter, one of the things I'm assessing with candidates, like I said, is how well they manage change, um, but also how active of a role will they play in it. One of the things I say is, "Are you going to be an agent of change? Are you like good for being along for the ride? That's great. Or are you going to like take it by the reins a little bit?" So, for you, how can you get, how can leaders get their people to embrace change—not just innovation and ideation, and whatnot, but the actual practical change of Whatever it may be. I know I talked to someone who was a WebEx expert and then they brought in Teams and they're admitting like Teams is far superior to WebEx, but I was the WebEx expert <laughs> That's hard. So how do you get people to like, think about it beyond the the high level and like, Hey, this is actually happening. How can you get people to embrace that kind of change?
1: Context is key. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, people obviously hate change. Everybody does. Uh, Our natural reaction toward change is to draw back Mm -hmm. and to stay away from it. Um, But part of that is getting the context as to why the change is coming or Mm -hmm. why the change is there. And a lot of times it's just level setting the expectations and saying, "Okay, we are going to make this change. Here's why. And here's how it's going to help us. Normally, when you have any kind of innovation ahead of that, as you mentioned, innovation needs to change. <laughs> yep. A lot of times, that happens. Ideally, um, yep. ideally, yep. yeah. <laughs> you don't want that random change coming in from the left field. But normally, if you have, if you're bringing people along for the innovation of it, it's easier for them to buy into the change if they're already bought into the innovation. So, getting that kind of skin in the game early on will help create that change process and that management of that change in people a little bit easier.
0: Interesting. So this goes back to kind of like you were talking about getting people innovating, is giving them a seat at the table a little bit, letting them hear, letting them be around it, um, and getting that buy-in from the very early stages uh, to kind of have that momentum carry through the actual difficulties of change.
1: Exactly, and most of the time, if you've got that participation and that buy-in, and they've been involved in the innovation, most of the time they're the ones stepping up to help implement the change or to bring it forward or become that change agent themselves because they see that and they've they've figured it out, they've heard what they need to hear. And this can happen even if the people aren't at like even if they don't have a seat at the table, they can still adapt to the change that way, as long as you as a leader are open and transparent about everything up that led up to it.
0: Gotcha.
1: So it's not hiding anything from your teams. It's like the one thing when it comes to innovation, participation, change, any of that adaptability kind of pieces. You have to be open. That transparency has to be there. You don't have to share the absolutely crazy, horrific meeting you just had about it, (laughs) where everybody starts screaming at each other. Uh, But you have to share some of those outcomes. Like, these are the things we thought through. Here's where this came from. Again, that context helps everybody manage that
0: change. A little bit. Interesting. Yeah. I know when I talk to people about how they deal with change, how they manage change, um, one of the ways I'll frame it is I'll, I'll flip it and just kind of ask them what kind of changes are difficult for them. Um, and the most popular answer, hands down, in the two years I've been doing this with an is when they don't know the why behind it. Exactly. <laughs> and it is like, Frustrating where they're expected to carry something through that it's not that they don't believe in it It's that they can't if you don't understand why it's happening Like I I can't get on board with this because I don't know
1: when you don't know the correct path forward through the change either Mm -hmm. There's a hundred different ways to implement one single thing and so if you don't have that North Star for Where that all came from and why we're trying to accomplish this you could go everywhere
0: A developer may want something different than a customer service person. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. Awesome, okay. Uh, On the other side of this, so embracing change is one thing. Uh, I would almost say embracing failure is on the other side of that change coin. You know, we've had conversations about Agile, you understanding it, me listening. (laughs) Um, And just the, the fail fast, move forward, of a deal, get it out there and see what's going on. Um, Failure can bring a lot of insecurity, and especially when you're kind of looking at the market and you see you know, layoffs, companies are, some are doubling budgets for people, others are cutting them in half, you know, you you kind of get insecure where it's like obsolete is coming or could be coming. Um, And failure can make people very insecure because of job security, the real practical things of the world beyond just the work start to get in the way. How do you, how can leaders, how do you, how do people get to the place where failure can be embraced, where failure can be looked at as a tool rather than just a something to get by, right? Where you can take something away from it.
1: Yeah. Failure is an interesting one when it comes to how people manage that. Um, people don't like to fail either. We don't like change. They don't like to fail. Honestly, a failure is a change in a path of direction that they're going. It's that hiccup, that speed bump that they've run into, but like a speed bump on the road, you go over it, and then it's behind you. So I think that's part of it as a leader is just not dwelling on it. Let's take a step back, let's take the five minutes to decompress it, to kind of figure out what happened, what led us to this failure, and then from there, moving forward. So not dwelling on the past, but using the past to help us guide the future, so we don't hit that road bump again.
0: As a leader, do you think it's valuable to be, going back to the transparency point, to be open with your failures to your team?
1: Yes, yes. Everything from a leadership standpoint, you are kind of guiding and creating that path. Um, I found a quote recently that has just been sticking with me for weeks now and (laughs) I can't get rid of it, but (laughs) and i'm going to tweak it a little bit but it essentially said to have an environment where people feel safe you don't have to protect the people in the environment you have to be able to build the environment where people don't have to feel like they're being protected you have to create that safe space and by doing that as a leader is showing a little bit of your own vulnerabilities we're all human nobody's perfect And your teams, even if they look up to you or think you're the coolest person ever or whatever, or they hate you, (laughs) either either way, um, they still have to know that you're human. And I think Mm -hmm. that keeping that people portion of how we approach things means that change can be a little bit easier because it's not you versus them. Um, When failure comes, we are a team still. Um, Let me help you guide maybe you Sherpa and guide you through this failure here <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we are going to hit another one in the future. So let's not dwell on this one just and fall on our face and then be dragged into the next one. Let's pick ourselves back up. Let's learn from our whatever we failed on or a mistake we made and let's just put one foot in front of the other and move forward.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I like, I like a lot of the aspects of the leadership that you're talking about, um, how it comes back to you know, the leader being in this with them, right? More like, people think militant and it's like, oh, I don't want that kind of leadership. But I'm thinking like, if you're in a platoon together and you're all in the same problem. Exactly. There may be a point person, uh, but it's, we're all here, we're all, we're all working on the same problem in different degrees. Which actually leads very nicely into the last topic. <laughs> um, uh, self-managed environments and clear lines of accountability. There's a little backstory with this one. Uh, Michael Lacey, our CEO, founder of Digineer, I once had a conversation with him, and I was just telling him how impressed I was that Digineer made all decisions by committee and that everything was very like organically democratic, even on the leadership level. <laughs> and, uh, his response was that's not how we do it. <laughs> so um, he, he told me that it isn't by committee. It's each member of leadership has clear, clearly defined uh, lanes of accountability and the other members of leadership um, provide input, feedback, curate the the pool for, for decisions to be made, things like that, where it actually comes back to uh, they have all very independent things they're accountable for, but it's just very, very transparent. Um, and kind of blending that with agility, the idea of self-managed teams, you know, no micromanaging. People will come in and play to their strengths. Allow the team to play to the diverse strengths of other people, etc. You don't have to task assign all the time. It should be very natural and organic. Um, so, as a leader, what is something you do to ensure that teams with, you know, quote unquote, flat structures, uh, don't get stuck on potential disagreements or? Um, you know, analysis paralysis. <laughs> How oh do you guess it's real. <laughs> we'll be on that uh, when teams like have a point person, but it's a very organic environment.
1: Yeah, a lot of it when you have these kind of self-managed teams or this self-managed environment, there's always one person who will step up. Um, the big thing is just making sure it's not always the same person as mm-hmm. a leader. And to your point, you everybody has to have their clear-defined goals and their clear-defined lanes when it comes to moving forward with really anything. So you probably will have the one person who's going to step up and always take meeting notes. Mm-hmm. There's always that person in the group. There's always that one person who's willing to write on the whiteboard mm-hmm. or that one person who's going to sit back and be really quiet but contribute all these ideas. The thing is is they, they all have their accountable pieces and their accountable components but there has to be that one person who is I like to call it and I tell my teams this: the one throat to choke if something goes wrong because you can't have the whole team falter from it and so having that one point person to make that executive decision in the end but then having that participation and that innovation come out (laughs) of the entire group is extremely helpful like making a decision in a silo by yourself is never a good idea Mm -hmm. and I think that's what Michael's getting at is it's not good to be that one person and do it in a bubble Mm -hmm. but you want that transparency to be able to go out and get many heads and many brains in the room to get to the best solution Mm -hmm. to go from there and then from there you now have all of the information that you could possibly want to make the best decision and the best outcomes for the hmm.
0: group. Do you have any scenarios that come to mind, not that I'm looking for specifics or anything like that, but where you've kind of been stuck on something, not sure what to do, and you'll have a team or teams where you just kind of open it up and sit back and listen and kind of see where they go with it? Oh
1: yeah, I just had it yesterday. <laughs> it happens like once an hour. <laughs> I am not the smartest person in the room and I don't intend to be the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. My goal as a leader is to bring in the people who are smarter than me to give me the information, kind of like a discovery or research, Mm -hmm. bring them together, figure it out and really be the one to say, okay, I'm hearing this, we're all kind of steering in this direction, more of a facilitator than anything. And I try to facilitate that innovation or facilitate things and ask questions because sometimes people are missing the question that's right in front of them. And so by sitting back, by knowing that I struggled with this, here's where I got stuck personally, and then bringing it to an opening it up to a larger group and then just asking probing questions, not steering the the conversation, but asking the legitimate probing questions from your initial discovery of things Typically, we'll get the innovation going, the brainstorming going. You'll start to hear people go, well, you know, we might want to try this instead of this. Mm. And it just keeps that just spirals from there. As soon as one person says it, then the next person is like, well, maybe we need to take this into consideration. And it just keeps going. Mm. So if you've created that culture and that environment for, again, that beginning participation, (laughs) um, more people are going to be willing to jump into that. And then I have more, factual information and a good foundation to stand on to know that the decision I'm making is going to do it today. And if it fails, then I'm the one that made the decision, not these folks that were brainstorming and doing doing
0: I like how you keep tying the thread back to innovation participation, because you're making my job really easy. <laughs> 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 I thought I to have to like stretch and reach for <laughs>
1: Oh, no, it's there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, like, I'm glad my head's growing in this room and it's not that big of a room. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think something whenever I've had the opportunity to speak to clients or leaders um, with you know direct reports, people who they are accountable for the results and whatnot, um, they will say, we want leaders. We want people who are going to take accountability and ownership. And I love that you said like, hey, someone will step up. You just have to make sure it's not the same person every single time, <laughs> right? And you strike me as someone who may be told to sit down because we need someone else to step up. You think? <laughs> 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 so for you, as one who steps up and who wants others to step up now in a leadership position, making sure they're, you're hearing from all voices, what can you do? What can leaders do to make sure that you're getting that feedback from everyone in the room, that more than just that one person is standing up for?
1: Some of it is having conversations before that room happens. Yeah. So investing, I personally heavily invest in my team to get them to where they want to be. Some people will never want to be a leader. They always want to take the back seat. They always want to be the quiet person in the corner, silently taking notes, and then every once in a while we'll have that really cool idea that everybody will say, whoa, where did that come from? There are some people that are always going to be there. And you can't force those type of people to be leaders mm-hmm. because it's just not going to fit. So don't put the spare peg in the round hole kind of thing. But moving forward from that, you've got those other people who are going to run after that leadership on the opposite spectrum, the ones who are always going to step up and it's fostering and honing what they can do and how they approach it and giving them kind of the feedback to help them grow Mm -hmm. and help them create the better environment and the safer environment. Sometimes it means taking those leaders and saying, hey, This other person in here in this room that we're all together with in this team also wants to be a leader but doesn't know how to get there. Would you be willing to share your experience with them? Rather than coming from me as their manager or me as another leader in the room, having that coachability kind of across will help that person grow their own skill set, And then you're fostering the leadership potential in everybody. I mean, every company can't have all leaders or uh, <laughs> the, the whole world would collapse, I think. Yep.
0: <laughs> Analysis paralysis. <either>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that makes a lot of sense. I, I love the the strategy yeah. that goes into it. You know how you said like it's having those conversations before you get in the room, um, where it really is this ongoing living kind of thing. It's not like, hey... We're performance time. We're in the room. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's uh, open it up and see, see who takes the reins every time. Right. Uh, it's not that political. It's more having leaders that are invested in individual success um, and playing to the strengths of their people by getting to know those strengths, taking that time is awesome. Um, something I like to tell people is don't let your job description box you in.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, And and I think that's a big part of it, where it's just kind of getting people not to see things so black and white. Like going back to that innovation, let them play in the gray a little bit. So they have
1: to, or uh, things are going to go stale, Mm -hmm. they're going to start to resent their own job, Mm -hmm. or they're going to think, oh, this wasn't what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. Well, you sign up for what's on the job description and on the posting, but everything you're doing, majority of it's in the gray space anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so, it's, it's really fostering that and the one-on-ones are the best place to do it as a manager leader. is just having one-on-ones with people and seeing and kind of reading the room and sensing where they are in their career, in that moment, how they are personally, how they're feeling, all of that stuff. Because then you also know as a leader who you can push into that gray space a little bit more. Mm. And it, like when that room gets really quiet and nobody's stepping up to do something, you as that leader in the room can say, hey, so-and-so, why don't you take a stab at, at kicking this all off or, or calling them out a little bit more. You'll know more of who you can call out, what you can throw at them to get them out of that comfort space. And then when they reach that, they start to realize, ooh, I can do more than this. And then they start to grow.
0: That's awesome. I, I love this. I, in recruiting and consulting, Like your job is people. Yeah, right? it's very much <laughs> In <people>. leadership. <laughs> It's people, it's not just, hey, how do I turn people into leaders? It's finding who are who who are the leaders? Who wants to be a leader? Um, who, who's gonna manage the stress of it well? You know, and as leaders kind of taking all these things into account, as you're pushing delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
1: well, and the opposite coin of that is the leaders who know they want to be leaders and are very outspoken and stuff like that. There's the opposite of that of reining them in. Mm -hmm. and honing those skills and creating that refinement of what they do Mm -hmm. rather than just always being the first one to jump up and take something. Sometimes it means, being a leader sometimes means taking the back seat and letting somebody else do the work or let somebody Mm -hmm. else take that. But then you're still their guide, you're Mm -hmm. still their mentor there sitting in the room, you're still there helping to facilitate it, you're not going to let them fall, Mm -hmm. but it's also honing that. Awesome.
0: Yeah, Michael. Uh, he said once, um, when I was young, I didn't want to. I didn't want to have a boss, so I decided to be an entrepreneur. And now, <laughs> now everyone's my boss. <laughs> he says now I that's, work for everyone.
1: That's exactly <laughs> it, though. I mean, entrepreneurship is coming up with some cool, innovative idea and then letting mm-hmm. other people run with it. Um, I love that because, yeah. again, at me as a leader, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. because it means I have nothing left to give. I want everybody else around me to start coming up and taking on that ownership and taking on the responsibilities of some of this stuff my whole job and for lack of popular opinion we'll definitely put it that way um my whole job is to work myself out of my job i want to grow my team to take over what i do so i can step back so it's we're building the next generation
0: you're very quotable. You're very, very, quotable.
1: It's not the first time I've heard that.
0: <laughs> a, very articulate. You're bringing a lot of good things. I, it's like almost like I'm reading a book talking to you. Uh, that was my last question for you. Um, so I guess if I were to just throw a bonus question out there, do you think there is more value, like when it comes back to like on the earnings report, value? in establishing cultures that are entrepreneurial in spirit. Yes. Love it, I'm quoting that too, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. Anybody with that entrepreneurial spirit, they're going to be chasing the next thing, every single thing. They're not going to go stale. They're not going to sit back and let the world pass them by. They're going to show up in that competitive market and they're willing to take risks which from an investment standpoint, investors are going to want to invest in that type of thing Mm -hmm. because they know that their investment is going to either win big or lose big. Mm -hmm. And those investors that are out there in the the marketplace these days, they don't want the safe space. They want that Mm -hmm. edge cutting technology. Mm -hmm. They want the people who are willing to think of something crazy Mm -hmm. and that's why patents exist too. You want the next biggest thing. You want to be able to showcase what you can do. And you want to bring the newest and latest and greatest in. And if you've got a whole crew or a full company with that same attitude, everybody's going to be running at that same place together.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Mia, thank you very much for joining on the Digineer podcast. Uh, I really wanted to focus on entrepreneurialism and the spirit of it with companies and how to... Foster those cultures because you are someone who's very much brought that to the table. Um, And with Digineer, a company that also values that, you know, one of the mantras, again, coming from Michael is if you're waiting for permission, you're already late. (laughs) So it's uh, very much in agreement and there's such a strong alignment. So I'm so happy you're on to talk about it. Again, Mia Earhart, senior product manager with Mastery Logistics. You should definitely connect with her on LinkedIn. She's an awesome person to know. Um, Thank you so much for being here.